0: started discussing different names of god found in scripture and i mentioned last week that if there is one doctrine or one topic in scripture that i think every christian should know and familiarize himself with is this one and i say that because the names of god found in scripture are not just cool names like i said before <laughs> they're not just names that you can feel nice because you know but they reveal aspects of his nature and his character so if you ever have any questions about who god is and what his character is like, look at the names of God. Because they show different aspects of his character all throughout the scripture. So, last week we started discussing two. And, knowing me, I'll take long on one. My original plan was to do like two in an episode and do like five episodes. But, look how well we did last week. I did like (laughs) one and a half. So... The same thing might happen this week because I have two, but I know I'm only going to get through one. So just bear with me for the next couple of episodes and enjoy it. Because you know what? It's not your podcast. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. Come at me. <laughs> nah, but thank you for tuning in once again this week. This is episode 20-whatever-it-is. I don't know what episode it is, but look down below, and you probably know what the episode number is. So I'm not even going to try estimate what episode it is because i don't know and i'm not gonna get it wrong so (laughs) but thank you again for tuning in it's always a pleasure to have you here with me every time to dive into the word of god together so thank you (laughs) let's start in judges chapter six today so judges chapter six let's start in verse one it said "And the israelites did evil in the lord's sight what else is new so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Verse 2. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, martyrs from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying the crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkey's. These enemy hordes, came, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived in droves of, camel, uh, on, of camels, too numerous to count, sorry. and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. So now let's skip down a little bit to verse 12. Now watch what happens. Verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Gideon, saying, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you okay let's stop right there so now let me paint a picture for you and give you some context in this chapter israel as they always did (laughs) it was character of them to do evil in the sight of the lord the lord rescued them out and they turned back around again and go right back into evil and then come back and cry and ask the lord to rescue them again so in this case nothing new they're back doing evil again and every time they did evil, what would happen is the Lord would hand them over to their enemies. And in this case, the Midianites came against them. And it was for seven years. The Midianites came against them and they were cruel. And they were taking over all their land, their livestock. And every time they planted crops, they would snatch them up and destroy them. And they ran them out of their own land. And it got to the point where Israel had to go hive in caves and get away from these cruel Midianites that were ruling over them and now at this point they start crying out to the lord for help because they don't got nobody so now they're calling on the lord after they did their evil and caused their trouble they're crying out to the lord for help so now god goes to a man named gideon and he raises them up to rescue them and take them out of their bondage and their captivity so the lord the angel of the lord appears to him and he tells him go rescue them out of the hands of the Midianites." And you're going to see in a little bit, Gideon, he's unsure at first, but the Lord reassures him and he goes and he wins the victory. So now let's go to verse 14 again. Let's read it again. He said, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest out of the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. Then the Lord said to him, I'll be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you're fighting against one man. Go down to verse 24 now. And it said, and Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Orphrah in the land of the clan of Abizar to this day. So now God calls Gideon and he sends him. And Gideon is like, okay, I'm the least... In my family, I'm the least in my clan. Well, you're sending me. How am I going to do it? And the Lord reassured him and told him, I am with you. So because I'm with you, you're going to fight against that army and destroy them as if you were only fighting against one person. And after that encounter with the Lord, some other things happen. After that encounter with the Lord, Gideon turns around and he builds an altar and names the altar and calls God Yahweh or Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. So what can you get out of this that in the midst of their turmoil in the midst of Israel's craziness and they thought there was no end in sight. They thought it was over for them in the midst of them getting overtaken by their enemies. God reassures them that he's going to deliver them and he's going to set them free and they're going to gain the victory over their enemies. And in the midst of all that craziness God brings peace. Now you have to understand something. Every time Israel kept their focus on God and they did what was right in his eyes, God kept them in a state of peace and victory. It wasn't until they turned to other gods, did what was evil in his sight, and turned away from him that their enemies began to take them over, like in this case. And I want to show you a couple examples of that throughout the book of Judges and, you know, in other books of the Old Testament. Because I'm going to tie it all together to show you that when you're in right standing with God and when your focus is on the Lord, you can live in a state of peace. It is not normal for believers and it doesn't have to be this way for believers to live in constant turmoil, constant trouble, constant fear and constant panic. It doesn't have to be that way for you You can live in a state of peace. When you're in right standing with God, the Bible said in the book of Isaiah, he said he would keep Isaiah 26. He said he would keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. When your mind is stayed on God, you can be in peace because God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of worry and strife. He's the author of peace. So when he shows up, And when he comes into the room, he brings peace with him. And it's funny how that name that we saw in there, Jehovah Shalom, it didn't say the Lord gives peace or the Lord brings peace or the Lord has peace with him. It translates to the Lord is peace. So that means it's not the Lord, you know, peace is something that he has. Peace is something that he is. For example, look at me. My name is Marlon Benjamin. For all you don't know me, hello. My name is Marlon. I am a guy. If you didn't notice that, notice it. I'm a guy, okay? I don't have guy. I don't possess guy. I am a guy. Okay, so put that in contrast. I'm holding a phone. I have my phone with me. The phone is not part of who I am. The phone is something that I have in my hand and I possess right now. But the phone is not part of me. It's not attached to me. Now take that over to Jehovah Shalom. God does not possess peace or have peace with him like I have this phone. Peace is like my gender. Peace is who God is. It's inseparable from him. It's part of his character and part of his nature. So when God shows up and when Jesus shows up and when you as a believer accept him into your heart, guess what? He brings peace with him. He is peace. So your life that may have been troubled and may have been crazy and may have been out of order, when he comes on the scene, everything that is troubled becomes peaceful. That is your promise with God. That is your promise with this Jehovah name of God, Jehovah Shalom. You can have peace in your life. Your life doesn't have to be peaceful one day, troublesome the next, messed up the next week. Okay, back to peace. Your life can stay in a constant state of peace. You can live a life full of peace because God is peace. Amen. So let me show you what happened. Let's look at a couple other examples of this. So I started in Judges 6, and let me read again for your reference, verses 1 to 2. It said, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Okay, they did evil. What happened? So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Another example, Judges 3, verse 12 to 15. Once again, here they go again with their nonsense, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They did evil. They got their focus off of God. They turned away from him. So now what happened? And the Lord gave King Eglin of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Verse 13, Eglin enlisted the Ammonites and the Amalekites as allies. And then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. So Israel once again turned away from the Lord, and their enemies took them over, and they had to become subservient to their enemies now. But look what happened later on in in the story, verse 15. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. So when they turned away from God, everything turned upside down, There was trouble on every side. But when they got their focus back on God, peace came back. And God rescued them out of the hands of their enemy. And if you read on in this certain story, God raised up a man by the name of, I think it was Ehud. And the left-handed warrior guy, and he comes and he kills the king. And they get peace. And that guy becomes a judge over Israel. Another example. Now this is over in 2 Kings. This is a good example of this. King Manasseh of Judah. Watch what happens. King Manasseh of Judah, he was a very wicked king. And if you thought Israel was bad, watch the kings of Judah in Kings and Chronicles. Every next story was this king did evil in the sight of the Lord and tore down all the, you know, tore down all the altars of the Lord and raised up Asherah poles. These these kings are out of hand. <laughs> but this guy, watch what happens. He built, verse 3, 2 Kings 21. Verse 3, watch what happens. He rebuilt the pagan shrines of his father, Hezekiah, or he, be, he rebuilt the pagan shrines that his father destroyed. He constructed altars for Baal and set up an Asherah pole, just as King Ahab of Israel had done. He also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshipped them. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manasseh also sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced sorcery and divination, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. So this guy was king over Judah, and he was completely pagan. And he set up his pagan shrines and altars to Baal in the temple of the Lord. So now look what happens. His focus is not on God. He's the king over Judah, and his focus is off, and he's doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, as a result of that, go over to 2 Kings 21, verse 10, and watch what happens. Then the Lord said through his prophets, King Manasseh of Judah has done many detestable things. He is even more wicked than the Amorites who lived in this land before Israel. He has caused the people of Judah to sin with his idol. So this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I will bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of those who hear about it will tingle with horror. So as a result of his sin and as a result of him leading the people, God's people, into sin, God now brings disaster And trouble upon them. And it was so bad to the point that God said the people who heard about it, their ears would tingle with horror. And if you read down in the chapter, that's exactly what happens. King Manasseh ends up getting taken over and he ends up becoming a prisoner of war. And as a result of that, he finally sees the light and he turns back to God. Now watch what happens when he turns back to God. 2 Chronicles 33, it tells the story again of Manasseh in more detail. 2 Chronicles 33, verse 11. So the Lord sent commanders of the Assyrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose and bound him with a bronze chain and led him away to Babylon. But while in deep distress, watch this, Manasseh sought the Lord, his God, and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. So he gets taken as a prisoner of war. And while in that distress and as a prisoner, he turns his heart back to God. And when he puts his focus back on God, look what happens again. God rescues him and brings him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. And he turned and he turned his heart to the Lord. And you read on and Manasseh tears down all his pagan shrines, tears down the Asherah poles and rebuilds the altar of the Lord after that. So I say all that to say That throughout Israel, God's people, when they turned away from him and when they kept their eyes and they took their eyes off of him, sorry, distress, trouble, and strife came upon them. But in contrast, when they turned to God and when their eyes were on God, peace, victory, rest from their enemies on every side. And God wanted that for his people. He wanted his people to live in a constant state of victory. He wanted his people to experience the power of, as we talked about last week, El Elyon, the Most High God. When trouble came at them and when their enemies tried to come at them, the Most High God would defeat their enemies for them. But that wouldn't just happen out of nowhere it was contingent on the fact that they kept in right standing with God and they kept their focus on Him. Every time they were in right standing with Him, they, they got victory. They won the victory over their enemies. They lived in peace. When they turned away, that's when trouble came upon them. So, using that, I want to show you that you have access To the power of Jehovah Shalom, you can have peace in your life. Your life may be troubled. Your life may be a mess. You may have been through the worst of it. But can I tell you today, you serve Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace. And when he comes into your life, you can have rest from your enemies, rest from your problems, and live in perfect peace. Like I told you earlier in Isaiah, he said he would keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. God is a God of peace. He's not a God of strife. He's not a God of craziness. He's not a God of things being out of order. He is a God of order and peace. And when you make him a part of your life, when you make him the Lord over your life, you can live in peace. Many of us remember when we was unsaved and when we was living in sin and when we were serving the devil, it wasn't a life of peace. Many people may try to convince themselves And make themselves think that, hey, living for the devil is fun. But once you come out of the kingdom of darkness and you come into God's kingdom, you now experience true peace. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that can say that living for the Lord is way more peaceful than living for the enemy. You find true meaning to life. You find true worth. You find true peace when you serve the Lord. Don't let nobody convince you otherwise that, oh, yeah, living for the Lord, you know, I ain't nothing. You just live by a bunch of rules for a God that ain't real. But guess what? My life looks different than the life of a heathen. My life looks much different than the life of somebody who doesn't serve the Lord. And you can't tell me that living for the Lord does not carry more benefits than it does living for the devil. Because let me tell you something. The benefits of living for the enemy. They may be great on the surface, but they're temporary. And after that, it gets worse and worse and worse. And after you're done living for the devil and you pass from this life to eternity, you spend an eternity in hell where there definitely is no peace in hell. It doesn't have to be that way for you. When you live for the Lord, you can live in peace. The Bible said sin brings pleasure for a season, but in the end it brings death. Sin when it is finished, it brings forth death. That's what it says in James, around there. That when it is finished, it brings forth death. Sin is nothing to play with. Living for the enemy is not what they may make it out to seem in mainstream media. In the end, it's going to bring forth death. In the end, it's not going to end well for you. But when you live for the Lord, the Bible said godliness in his prophets brings profit both now and in the life to come. When you live for the Lord and you live a godly life, it doesn't just profit you in eternity and you get rewards in eternity and you live in heaven forever and take part in all the greatness of eternity with the Lord. It's not just that. It profits now. It profits now. It profits you in this life now. You don't live under the grip and the hold of the enemy on this earth. You don't live Under the hold of the enemy when you're living for the Lord on this earth, you live free, you live in freedom as a believer on this earth. So don't let nobody tell you otherwise. When you live for the Lord, you can live in peace, victory and freedom. That's the good news of this whole thing. And if your life has been in shambles, if your life has been a mess today, understand that the God you serve today is Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace. And when he comes on the scene of your life, everything will change. When he comes on the scene of your life, every troubled water has to become still. Look what happened when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples. And he got up and he spoke to the winds and the waves when they started acting up. Peace. Extreme calm. Extreme calm came when he spoke to the winds and the waves. An extreme calm. And this was not no regular storm. It was a crazy demonically inspired storm that came in that story. But when the devil rose up against God and his people, when Jesus woke up and he came on the scene, and he commanded the enemy to move, the enemy's actions had to cease. Everything he was doing had to calm down because Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace, came on the scene. Let that be an example to you in your life today. When Jehovah Shalom comes on the scene of your life, peace comes in every single area of your life. And the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, Verse 6, it says, you can let the peace of God, let the peace of God guard your hearts and your minds. Let it rule your hearts and and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what you have to make sure as a believer. It didn't say let confusion and let strife rule your hearts and your minds. It said let the peace of God guard your hearts and minds. That's what God wants to do for you today. He wants his peace to guard your heart. And guard your mind. And let it govern your life. That's what he wants to do for you today. And trust me. I know what it was like. To live a life that was not full of peace. It was full of turmoil and mess and strife. And it was not a fun life. It was not a good life. It was not a fun life. But when Jesus came on the scene and I let him come on the scene. When he came it was just like everything just calmed down. Everything just calmed down. Every single thing that was troubled just became peaceful. That's the answer to your problems today. You cannot bring peace to your own problems. You can't solve your own problems When the enemy is coming against you, if the enemy is coming against you and attacking you and bringing all these problems into your life, and this is a spiritual attack, how can you destroy a spiritual attack in the flesh? You can't do it. You need a power greater than the enemy's power to cause all those storms to cease. You need a greater power to calm all those winds and waves in your life. And that power is found in Jehovah Shalom. That power is found in that God. And he wants to do that for you today, just like he did for his people. And let me tell you something. Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. Well, you know, you know, sometimes in life. You know we may go through these hard times, and life may be crazy and hard on this earth. But it'll be all worth it when we get to heaven. Hallelujah! Praise ye the Lord! It'll get uh, it'll be all worth it when we get to the other side of glory. Yes, the enemy is fighting us on every hand in this life, and we may not see relief. But when we get to heaven, it'll be better. It'll be better. I believe it. No, <laughs> no, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to experience peace. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to experience victory over the enemy because guess what the victory was already won when jesus died on the cross he snatched the keys back the keys of dominion from the enemy and guess what he gave his people dominion back in the earth today and if you're a christian today and you're following the lord today you can experience that today you don't have to live under the hold of the enemy you don't have to live under his grip you can live in peace and live in dominion over his works In the name of Jesus. And don't let nobody tell you otherwise. Because guess what? Some people will say you know. Well you know that was a specific promise he gave to them. He didn't promise that to us. He told us in this world we would have trouble. But that was a specific story that happened to Israel. We need to stop putting ourselves in that place. No. Because the Bible said in Hebrews 13. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So if he revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom. The God who is peace. It, that's Him. That's who He is. It's not something you could easily strip from Him. It's not something that was in His hand today, like my phone. It's not something that He had, and then He put it down so He doesn't have it anymore. It's part of Him. It's part of Him. So if He was a God who is peace back then guess what nothing has changed years and years and thousands of years later he is still the same he is still a god of peace and when you come into covenant with him you can experience that same peace that is people experienced when they lived in right standing with him if you claim to be a christian if you claim to follow christ you can experience that same peace i'll say it till i sound like a broken record because let me tell you something in this crazy world In these last days, you're going to need the peace of God. If you don't have the peace of God, your life is going to be full of madness. And you're going to stress yourself out to the point where you won't be able to do what the Lord wants you to do. You won't be able to take the world for Christ and do big things for God like he wants you to do. Because you think there's no way you can do it. And you're under such strife and heaviness. But it doesn't have to be like that. There is a way out. The world may be going crazy. The world may be losing their mind. They may be paralyzed by fear, but that doesn't have to be that way for you because you serve Jehovah Shalom. You serve the God of peace. And that peace is coming to you today. If you have been experienced constant trouble on every side and you feel like your enemies are coming at, at you from every side and there's no way out. Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace, wants to work on your behalf today. God wants to bring you peace in every area of your life today. Every area where the enemy has attacked. Every area where the enemy has just caused upheaval and problems in. Let the peace of God go into those areas today in the name of Jesus. Let the peace of God come into your house right now. It doesn't matter if you're on the other side of the screen and I can't see you right now. I speak the peace of God to you right now, whatever situation it is. Receive it by faith that the peace of God comes into that situation right now. Jesus said in this world, he did say, yeah, in this world, you'll have trouble. But he didn't say that's the end of it. And many people may act like that's all he said. How many of y'all know in this world, we have trouble? Jesus said in this world, we'll have trouble. But he didn't stop there. He said, in this world, you may have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And if he has overcome all of those things, if he has overcome all of those things, there's no need for me to worry. There's no need for me to sit down under the hold of the enemy because Christ has overcome all of those things. And if he is my God and I serve him, I have also overcome. My favorite script, one of my favorite scriptures, the Bible said, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in his name. And it said, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. When you serve the Lord, you can live a life full of triumph. When you serve the Lord, you can live a life full of victory. Constant victory. enough a, a constant victory. Just like another name of God that I'm going to get into Probably next week. Jehovah Nisi, God my va- God, my banner. Another translation is God my victory. That's the God that you serve. That is the God that you serve, and when you serve Him, you can live in a constant state of victory. It's not this feel good, messages, self-help stuff. That's the word of God. That's the Bible. And if he doesn't change, he may have been that way back in Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. He's still that way today. (laughs) Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. He is still the same way today because that's part of his nature and that's part of his character. So all you have to do is access that. All you have to do is access the peace of God. All you have to do is access the victory of God. That's all you have to do. All you have to do is access the power of the Most High God. Then there's nothing the enemy can do to take you out. At that point, there's nothing the enemy can do to take you down because I serve the Most High God. So it doesn't matter what comes up against me. I can triumph over it. I serve Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace. So the enemy may try to cause upheaval and uproar in my life. But because I serve him, peace will come in that situation quickly and speedily. Just like Jesus did on the boat when the enemy rose up with a storm and tried to stop them from getting to the other side. When Jesus rose up, the storm ceased immediately. It wasn't even a fight. It wasn't the storm took three years to go away. It wasn't, you know, a couple minutes late. Immediately when Jesus said, peace, be still. And told the winds and waves to shut up. Immediately it shut up. That's the God that you serve. And that's the power that he holds. It won't take 10 years for the enemy to take his hands off of you. When Jesus says, peace, be still. Immediately everything that's causing trouble has to go. When he says, peace, be still, everything that is causing upheaval has to calm down. And that is the same thing that's happening for you today in the name of Jesus. Peace, be still. And you serve Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace. And when he comes on the scene of your life, which I believe he's doing for a lot of you today, as you access that in faith and you believe it in faith, that when you access that, when he comes on the scene of your life, Everything that is troubling you, everything that is causing upheaval in your life, peace comes on the seed in the name of Jesus. I want to give everybody an opportunity to sow seed that wants to today. If you're listening or watching this podcast and you felt led to connect your finances to this ministry, I thank you so much for taking that step to do that today. You know, in this world today, the devil and many people in the world don't want the gospel to go forward and they don't want the gospel to advance and that's one of the biggest reasons why biblical prosperity is one of the most attacked doctrines of the bible because it takes money to spread the gospel it takes money to push the gospel into places that has never been heard before it takes money to run mass crusades and do more for the kingdom of God and that's why the enemy doesn't want it to go for it but we won't be that people today we will be people who Take what God says and we will do something with it. We will be people that care about the things that God cares about. And we will connect our finances to God's kingdom and to the work of God. So if you felt led to give today, the ways to give are on the screen right now. Go ahead and take that step of faith. And know that when you do, it is not a one-sided thing. The Bible says if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. When you take that step to push forward the kingdom of God, God will make sure that your house is taken care of. God will make sure that your needs are taken care of because you made sure that his kingdom was taken care of. And as you sow a seed, I want to thank you personally for doing that. We will do more to push the gospel out. We will do more podcasts. We will go and preach the gospel and in the future set up crusades. (laughs) And set up meetings to see the harvest brought in before Jesus comes back. So I thank you for your giving. I thank you for sowing your seeds. And I bless you in the name of Jesus for that. Amen.